afternoon live church. Thank you, thank you. I'm excited to be sharing the word of God with you today. I believe the word transforms us. Each time we hear God's word, we are never the same. So today is another day and the Lord has a good word for us. Amen. Today I'm going to share on a subject that is really close to my heart. I'm going to talk about rest, all right? So um, in the book of Genesis, the Bible records rest when God rested from all his work. And on the seventh day, he took the day uh, as a day of rest. He stopped from all his labor. God did not rest because he was tired or he was wearied from work. He rested because he had finished all that he had done. So in that, his rest was a state of acknowledging that it is done. There is nothing else to be done beyond this. All right. So um, he ceased from his work on the seventh day and he commissioned it to be a holy day. And from that time on, uh, the seventh day was observed as a holy day and everyone was supposed to cease from work. But in actual fact, most of them did not actually cease from work. They would temporarily leave work for a day. They put it on hold for the seventh day. On, on the first day of the week, they take it up from where they left and they continue like that. So this happened for generations until Jesus came, okay? So in the book of Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30, the Bible says, this is Jesus talking to the children of Israel. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavily laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So just to give context to what he was saying here and the depth of what he's saying, he was talking to a generation that was still observing the seventh day as a holiday. But the only difference was that the Sadducees and the scribes of the time had elaborated on the law, all right? When the seventh day was instituted, it was holy. And like all the commandments, there was punishment if you do not follow the commandment. And that specific fourth commandment was punishable by death. So if you worked on a day that you were not supposed to work, you would be punished by death. So the, that the scribes, I believe in their hearts, their intentions were they were well-meaning and they tried to elaborate all the laws. So instead of this amount of law that they were given, instituted by them, by, to them by God, it was like a whole Bible. You shall not do this. They broke it down in the fine lines. Like, you know how every contract is the fine lines? So there were fine lines to this. So it was a burden on their shoulders. It was a heavy load. Like Sabbath, most I would like to imagine, they actually cringed as they waited for the day. It had become so burdensome for them. And Jesus comes into the scene and he gives an open invitation. He says, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavily laden, and I will give you rest. Amen. Wow, that's so powerful. These people were used to being insufficient. They were used to not making it. They were used to condemnation. The law itself is not bad. The law was not 
evil, but the way it was elaborated becomes so burdensome for people that they could not comprehend how they can be pleasing before the Lord. What I love about Jesus is that, you know, like what I say, that God came and he rested on the seventh day because there was no need to work. Jesus came as the high priest and he gave the ultimate sacrifice. And after that sacrifice, he said uh, with the father, He's, he has completed the work. We are free. There is nothing that is remaining to be sacrificed for. He did everything that needed to be done. And we do not have one Sabbath day. Every day is a day of rest for us because we are in the Lord. The work is completed. There is nothing more to be done by us in order to meet the standards of holiness before God. I'm giving this foundation for us to understand that rest is already given. It's a given. It's not something that you work towards. It's something that you already have. Yeah? So I want you to be aware of that as I go through this teaching, that you already have it. It's not something that you have to dig deep and find. It's not something that you have to, you know, work towards. It's something that is given to you when you received the salvation, the source of God. It was a full package for you, complete with everything, including your rest. So I love what he says here. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. He doesn't say rest for your spirits. He says rest for your souls. For me, that was really powerful. That, you know, so most often times when we talk about salvation, you say your spirit is born again already and you're working on your soul and your mind and all that. We separate the three. But he says you will find rest for your soul when you lean on him, when you learn, when you learn from him, you submit to him. So in this teaching, I have defined rest as conscious submission to the will and the direction of the Lord. When you have consciously submitted your will, intentions, and heart's desire to the Lord, you find rest. Amen. Okay. So what I love about what Jesus says in this scene is that he's offering a free invitation, not just to a specific group of people. He's saying everyone, anyone who needs, this is an open platform for you to receive. Do you want it? Come and get it. Right? And that, that uh, invitation still stands to today. If you go to the book of Hebrews chapter 4, he talks about that. He says, as long as it is cold today, there is access to that rest. There was no specific time where he said, the door is closed. Come back tomorrow. Or let's wait for another season. It was open-ended. Rest is open-ended. It doesn't have a deadline. Wow, that's powerful. It's an open letter for whoever is available, whoever is willing to submit to receive that rest. It is there. Hebrews 4 verse 10 says, For he who has entered his rest has him also seized from his works as God did from his. Wow. When you enter into the rest of God, you seize from your own works. And when we talk about works, we are not talking about going to work every day. The Bible says, love not sleep, lest you fall into poverty, right? Yeah. It's good to go and work, you know. Yeah. God worked. He works. He's working to, up to now. But the labor that he's talking about now is the rest inside being at peace yeah. 
you know. When you are at peace, when you are fully submitted to God, regardless of the situation that you are in, this is the rest that he's talking about. So he says, when you enter into his rest, you've also ceased from your works as God did from his. Rest was instituted to relieve us from our labor, to relieve us from the desire to be self-righteous, to, to try and strive to be seen because of what you do. It weighs us down. To say, okay, I'm going to preach because God will see me and maybe remember that I really want this. You know, I'm going to save into, in the house because, you know, my son is not feeling well. I'm hoping that after doing this, it will be well. We do not save from that heart. I'm glad that in Life Church Global, we realize that we save because we already have everything that pertains to life and godliness. And we carry Christ in us. We are giving the same Christ that who is in us to people. We are not anticipating anything because we already have everything. What's there to anticipate? I love because I'm the beloved of the Lord. I give because I've received everything. So that's really powerful. That's, that's what rest sounds like. We do not strive to be accepted. When your heart is at peace with God, you're at peace with people. You know that? You don't struggle to build relationships. You don't struggle to, for, for the next person to appreciate you. You're already appreciated. You're the beloved of God. You have all the appreciation you need. You have the mind of Christ to know what to say, when to say, to whom to say it. So when you are at peace, when your heart is in the right condition with God, you're fully submitted, you understand your condition and your state with God, you are at rest constantly. It's a perpetual state. It's not something that you go looking for. Yeah? So we manifest Christ because Christ is in us. It's, it's inevitable. It's inevitable to not manifest Christ because he's resident in us, right? This is how we know that we are fully rested in Christ. I really love what the Bible says. Uh, again, in the book of Hebrews, when they gave reference to, to the children of Israel who missed this opportunity to rest because of disobedience and unbelief. This story relates to the time when our God told them to leave Egypt to go into Canaan. The children of Israel witnessed the parting of the Red Sea. They witnessed their enemies being swallowed up by the waters, the horses and the riders. And beyond that, God gives an assignment to Moses. He says, go and take over Canaan. And they sent 12 spies, all right? The spies went into the land. They saw the beauty of the land. They took the grapes of the land. They saw everything that was in it. They came back to the masses. When they gave the testimony, the 10 gave an evil testimony. They said, the land is beautiful. It flows with milk and honey, right? And then after that, they said, but the children of Anak are in the land. They were giants. The children of Anak were giants. And they said, and we looked like grasshoppers in their sight. They defined themselves. God says, go and take over. And they say, no, we look like grasshoppers. That's a state of not being submitted. It's what they have seen. What they have seen. They have believed so much what is in the external that they've dismissed the assignment that they were given to go and take over. These are the same people that had seen the Red Sea party. Something most of us have not had the privilege to witness. They have seen their enemies being defeated in one day. 
Something that not many of us have had the opportunity to witness. But because of 10 people who went in and who did not believe God so much, the hearts of many were troubled. And this is why many of them perished in the desert. It was not God's intention for them to perish. They decided when they decided not to believe God. So it really touched me in that moment, thinking about it, to say, you know what? This is the same situation that happened to the disciples when they were crossing over, right? And Jesus was sleeping on the boat. And then a tempest storm arose. And the disciples were caught up in the moment. This is the same Jesus they walked with every day. They saw him feeding people at the wedding at Cana. He's the same Jesus we had fed multitudes, right? He's the same Jesus they were so in awe of. And then in that moment, a storm arose. And they are cringing, they are dreading, they don't know what to do. To a point that they perceive that he didn't care. When they woke him up, they said, do you not care that we are dying? For them, they saw a death sentence. They forgot everything that had happened. What I'm trying to point out here is when you are in a state of disbelief, it crowds your mind so much that you forget the goodness of God. In that moment, they considered a storm that was outside greater than God, than Jesus who was lying with them. And I was thinking, not that I would have done anything different if I were in the boat, but I was thinking, was not his sleeping a sign that all was well? If they were truly going to die, was he going to sleep in the boat? He would have done something, right? But the one who can stop the storms was sleeping. And the ones who were, you know, protected at that time, were, were, you know, they were looking for solutions. They had tried and failed. It is the human effort that they had put into it that had drenched all their strength and even confused their minds in that moment and, you know, distracted them from who this person was before them. And this is what I believe happens most of the time when we consider situations outside to be greater than the situations that are happening in us. You remember when I started that, I said we have it already because he is in us, the full package is resident in us. But having him in us is not the confident assurance that we have the faith. Faith is something that we grow and develop daily. I love what the, the old adage says that you cannot stop a bird from flying above your head but you can definitely stop it from laying a nest. It's my responsibility to stop a nest from being laid on my head. How do I stop it? I cancel every thought that is not aligned to the word of God. I do not allow a situation that does not align with the word of God to distract me. Thoughts will come, for sure, but I have the power to stop them. I define where they stop. I am the Christ. I tell my mind to be aligned to the mind of Christ. It is my position. So I know most of the time we talk about getting a tub of ice cream and, you know, eating your sorrows. That's not true. You don't eat your sorrows. You tell your situation. You do not meditate on your problems. You meditate on Christ. So they say that a sheep is not drowned by the water that is outside it. It is drowned by the water that gets in. 
So be careful what gets in. We need to guard our hearts jealously. For in, in our hearts lies all the issues of life, right? We align our hearts with the heart of God. What is God saying, not what is the world saying? So that's really powerful. I love what the book of Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3 says. It says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. So when you constantly look, look in, in your heart to find what God is saying to you, when you focus on what he's telling you and you believe it, you are in constant peace. That's the solution for peace. It's already there. It's just how to get it. You look in. He is in you already. And you ask him, what are we doing today? I love the ethereal fast. My God, it was powerful. I, I, I honestly had God like, you know, I loved it. Every morning we'd set up our time to listen to God. And without fail, we'll say something. I'm sure for those who participated, you acknowledge. Yeah. We received that word. And during that time, we went through situations. They didn't bother us so much. Why? Because we had a word that was echoing behind us, telling us, constantly reminding us what is happening. It was not a temporary thing. That's our perpetual state. That's where we belong when we hear him and he tells us, walk ye in this way. And we are not distracted by things that happen around us. The reason why we step out and declare that we are a cancer-free zone is not so much that there are not many cases of cancer happening, but we so much believe the word of God that we are a cancer-free zone. When we declare it, it happens. It is it exactly the same with every situation in your life. There are no exceptions to say, oh, I think this is a different situation. Because it was not declared there's no jobless zone. So if I lose my job, I'm in trouble. It applies to every situation. It applies to every situation. So this is why the psalmist says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. Because we have a tendency to forget. Oh, have you, have you been in an exam? You are writing an exam? And suddenly you blank out. You can see the page. And you can see the letters, but you can't just read them. I'm sure we've all experienced this in an exam. It is the same. It happens when you're in a situation and you zone out. What, the, what does the word say? What is he saying? What is he saying? And you feel like you can't hear him. It's blurry. And in that moment, you become anxious. You start striving. You do everything in your power to get the grip of things. But that's not what we were, we were commissioned to do. We're given rest every day of our lives because it is our portion. We need to constantly recognize that we are resting in him. The book of Proverbs chapter 3, I love that. It says, trust in the Lord. It's Proverbs chapter 3 verse 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. It's in trusting him. When you trust him in everything, with all your heart, not part of your heart, all your heart, 
it does not go the way you want every situation think of that situation that doesn't go the way we want and you say i trust you lord i cannot see it but i trust you and you choose to rest i loved what daniel did you know he was praying and you know the, his enemies had commissioned had gone to the king and said we need to stop praying to any other god except you for this period of time which was a plot for daniel and daniel was not disturbed by this news even after hearing it the first thing he does was to go to his room open the windows and pray to god as if he didn't hear it it was so it was exactly the opposite of what he was supposed to do he didn't allow fear to get into his relationship with god he decided to proceed with the relationship anyways there are times when situation even challenge your relationship with god and it's your choice to prioritize what's more important to you and in that moment you would think just like in many movies you would think an angel would come you know carry him and take him to a safe place it doesn't happen like that he is seen praying just the west and you know the punishment for doing that was to be thrown in the lion's den you know what happens in the lion's den he is thrown into the lion's den all right and the following day the king comes to check on daniel daniel was alive because he trusted in the lord that's what happens when you trust in the lord even what the enemy meant for evil works for your good because you trust in the Lord. You rest in the Lord. He is your fortress. He is your strength. He says when an enemy comes in like a flood, God raises a standard. That's his nature. The only problem is sometimes we feel like we want to help him with the solutions because we are not so comfortable with this situation. Okay, No one wants to go through unpleasant situations. Let's face it. So you want to sort of give him advice. Why don't you do it like that? Why not today? Are we going to wait until next year? Why not now? Let's do it now. You know, I, I've done it. Sometimes you feel like God, really, it's simple. But when you trust God, you understand that he has it laid out for you. Anyway, he had salvation for us before we even sinned. Will he not be able to take us out of any situation? I believe salvation is the greatest gift he has for us. Eternal life. What about all these issues that we go through life? Is he not well able to take us out of those situations? I want to give earthly situations that I found to be very exciting. When I was thinking about this, I was like, it's very exciting. How It's, it's interesting how we so much believe the things that happen in the physical I want to talk about a woman, a pregnant woman, all right, who delivers a baby through C-section, okay? After they stay in the hospital for five days, they are discharged, and the doctor writes a note and says surgery was successful, ready to go. This woman cannot stand on her feet to go home. She goes in a wheelchair, and she gets into the car, and for many more days, she's not able to walk properly, but she believes the report from the doctor. When people come to visit her, she says, I'm well, but she can't walk. The confidence is in the written note and the way that has been given by a professional to say you are well. It's amazing. Another relatable example is about getting a job. You get a job offer. You are so excited. You call everyone, right? It's an offer. And you get a contract, right? It's written, this is about, <laughs> this is about how much you're going to get and all that. And you send in a testimony to Life Church Global, right? I got a job. Yay, hooray. And then you report for, to work, right? 
you work without knowing if you're going to get paid for real. This is what we do, right? You go to work every day, and it even, it's even written in black and white, probationary period, three months, you don't care, you go anyways. This is what we do. This is our life every time, right? And I've not had many people really, you know, thinking or worrying that they're still on probation. No, you believe you've got the job already. You don't even think about the, you know, the, the fine lines of the contract. You say, I have a job, praise God. Yeah? And the last one, think of a relationship. Boy and girl relationship, they're in love. And the guy proposes. Oh my God, social media goes wild. I'm getting married. It's an announcement and we say congratulations. Why do we say congratulations? To a commitment that has not been endorsed. So it's really powerful how we so much believe the things that are in the canal more than we believe the things that are spiritual. We have the Bible with how many books in it? Full of promises. But you want God to give you a specific word for every situation. How does that work? And we need confirmation on top of that. Confirm your word. This is what you're saying. No. The word on its own is enough to give us everything we desire in life. So if I need to see what God is saying to me, I open my Bible. I sit before him. I rest and meditate and wait for him to speak. If these things that I've told you that may, may go otherwise are believable beyond doubt, what about the solid word that is sharper than any two-edged sword that penetrates to the dividing of the soul and the spirit, to the putting asunder of the bone and the marrow, the word that never changes? What about that? Why do we choose to go around worrying, go around being so stressed about situations you don't know what you're going to do when you have the word of God? So these are situations when we've magnified what is happening in front of us, the stress at work. You can't bear it. It's like a heavy load. It becomes a mountain before you. And you forget that the word of God says you will level every mountain you make it like a valley but sometimes you know when it happens you keep and when you meditate on it so much it becomes so real to you that you know even when someone tries to convince you that it's gonna be okay it's just momentary and then you wake up today and you know it creates a whole lot of issues because you are striving you feel like you're not okay with God even you feel like oh God I'm sorry I don't believe you so much a lot of issues arise from that if you notice that when you are striving in your heart you also feel like you're being condemned you also feel like your relationship with God is not so much in the right place you feel like people are not looking at you in the right way you feel like you're being judged it's mostly because of what is happening inside of you therefore there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus you are not condemned no one is looking out to condemn you but it's the situation that we so much exalt before us that sometimes condemn us. There was Paul and Silas. They're in prison, right? And they, they chose to sing songs to the Lord. They, they, they were worshiping and saying, we exalt you and all that. 
and the, the prison doors were open to them because they chose to look unto God in a difficult situation. The dangers then were different from now where you'd just be there and you are free. They would be tied hand, hands and feet. And they don't have freedom. But in that moment, they chose to worship God, to sing sounds in a situation where you don't know whether you will come out of or you're going to die. If, if they chose to worship God, if they chose to praise in that situation and he came out to rescue them, is he not able to do it today? He is the same God who was with them. He is the same. He says, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. He, he also mentions it just in case we think, oh, the miracles in the Bible, they are, oh, they are just for the Bible. They don't happen today. He is the same God. The things he did, he's able to do now. And Jesus even says, greater things than these you shall do. So he gave us an open platform to do beyond the unimaginable. But we choose to stick to what we see, feel, believe, touch. And, and you know, imagine in our minds. Wow. I believe that when we fully understand that God is for us and nothing can go against us. There is no force, no power, no dominion that can go against us, we rest in Christ. It is much of a choice given to us. Do you want to believe him? The real question is, do you trust him? Do I trust him? Do we trust him? It's easy to trust and to believe when things are going on so well. Yeah. It's very easy. You don't normally need to ask people for that. But when the situations are not going as planned, that's when we tend to think, um, I, don't, I, I don't think this is how it, it's going to happen. Because we have a way that we've mapped it. We say we, we want it to happen this way. This is why when Jesus told his disciples that he was going to be crucified, one of the disciples, he actually said, you know, this is not it. He was challenging him. Until Jesus said, go ye be, go thee behind me, Satan. Because this person was like, no, you can't, you can't do that. In their minds, I would like to think they'd say, you know, Jesus is here to free us. And it's not just him. It was not just Peter, by the way. Even the children of Israel did imagine salvation coming through death. They imagined some sort of rain that comes in a supernatural way and all that. So I believe when you are submitted, you need to surrender your thoughts and your plans. If it doesn't go this way, surrender. You are in Christ, right? Why is it that we question if it's God when we are in bad situations? We never question if it's God, if we get a promotion, an increase, or anything. There's nothing not to believe there. But when things don't go my way, you start thinking, am I cursed by who? You are in Christ. Right? Did I do something wrong? No. You are beloved by God. And even if you miss the mark, let's say you contributed to that happening. He says it in the book of 1 John that he continuously provides grace for us. He continuously. It's like when your child misses the mark, they do something wrong. Do you disown them? Has any parent ever disowned their child because they've done something wrong? Even if they do it over and over again? No. If we cannot men have so much love for our children, why do we so much believe that if 
all because I contributed to this deal and I did this, I signed this contract without reading it. Now I'm facing the consequences of my behavior. What is happening? And you take in condemnation. You allow yourself to wallow in stress and all that. He is able to take you up out of any situation. I want to bring your attention to the prodigal sons. To the prodigal son. I call them sons because I don't think the other one was even better. But the son goes. He spends a fortune, his inheritance, in worldly behavior. And he's done. He has nothing, nothing to show for it. Okay, he's stranded. And he remembers that his father, he shows mercy to his slaves even. And he says, I'll go back to my father, right? And if I'm accepted as a slave, it's even enough for, for me. He goes back to the father. And the father is there with open arms to receive him. I do not believe as what the scripture portrays, that God is waiting Call me on what I do wrong. His mercies are sufficient for me. He gives me, he provides his mercy morning after morning. Why do I choose to remember the sins that he does not remember? Why do I choose to remember the mistakes that he has forgotten? He chooses to remember. Not that he's, he, 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 he is one person, not that God forgets, but he says, I choose to forget. It's an intention that he has made. Shitai, I have chosen to forget, but I choose to bring it up. I'm not successful because I did this when I was 19. Come on. The grace of God is sufficient. Sometimes we grow situations, through situations we don't understand. Sometimes we face challenges that we feel we contributed towards. But his grace is always sufficient. He's looking for us to trust him in any situation. Think of the two thieves on the cross when Jesus was about to die. You're already crucified. Very close to death like that. You are dying a shameless death. And one of them chose to believe in Christ. In that moment, God promised him that in that moment, you will go to heaven. So why is it that sometimes we look at our situations and we exalt them above the love of God? We look at the mistakes we make. Of course, in the world, you might face the consequences of your behavior. I will give an example where you might face the consequences of your behavior. Consider things like fornication or adultery. You might get pregnant, but it doesn't mean that God sees you as evil they are replications, but even with that child, the mercies, the grace, and the love of God is sufficient. That child does not come as, you know, a reminder, but every child is a blessing from the Lord. It's a gift from God. You still, you go into prison. These are the standards of the world, but even in prison, God loves you relentlessly. He says, I'll never leave you, nor forsake you. I'm giving the extreme examples just to highlight that the love of God is everywhere. You cannot run away from the love of God. You cannot hide from the love of God. He is there waiting to love on you. Our portion is to receive. Are we ready to receive his love? Are we ready to receive when we are being persecuted every day? You do not see the good in every day that comes. Are you able to see the love of God in that situation? 
Are you able to put your anchor on the Lord and say, God, I trust you regardless? Like Paul and Silas, like Daniel, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God, I trust you in every situation. I don't know how this is going to work out. I loved what they said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Even if Jehovah doesn't, will not bow down to your idol. We need to be confident enough to tell our situations. Even when I don't see how this is going to work out, I'm not going to buy into this stress. This is not my portion. And you walk out of the stress. Choose to sleep. Choose to laugh. Choose to celebrate. See, sometimes when you're going through a situation, you, you think, we tend to think that this is the worst that can happen to anyone. Until you meet someone who is a different situation, more worse than yours, and you feel like rushing back to say, you know what, I don't have issues. And it's exactly like that. No matter how big your situation appears to you, it's nothing. We don't need someone to tell you a worse story for you to realize that yours is, you know, better. You do not have a situation. Because it says, cast your burdens unto me, for I care for you. Why do you keep the burdens? Why do we keep the burdens to ourselves? Why do we choose to be accountable for the things we don't need to be accountable for? Stress is not our portion. Strife is not our portion. Depression is not our portion. We cast it to him, for he cares for us. Now Jesus was talking to the children of Israel. Um, He had performed a miracle the previous day you know, the loaves of bread and the fish. And then the following day, they came looking for him, all right? And they were having this discussion, Jesus telling them that you are following me not so much because of the miracle, but because you ate of the bread and the fish, right? And then the, the, the people, the masses asked, what works shall we do for God? And then Jesus said, the work that you need to do is to believe in whom, in the one that he sent. And the one he sent is Jesus. So the work that is left for us to do is to believe. To believe in who? In Jesus Christ. My work is not to figure out how complex situations are going to work out. My work is to focus on Jesus. So it's just diverting my attention from the situation to me. What is Christ saying to me? What is saying to me today? Sometimes we end up having physical conditions because we, our bodies cannot bear the weight that we put on ourselves. Sometimes we wake up, we end up working extra hours beyond what we need to do at a time. Not that the Lord does not provide grace. The word says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but why should I choose to do the things that I'm not supposed to do? Why not do the things that I'm supposed to do? Rest and believe. It's better to do the things that are easier to do. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But I say, no, I need a bigger burden. Something else. (laughs) I'm inviting us to a place of rest. It pleases the father for us to rest. I am a mother. It pleases me when I serve my children. When I'm in that moment and I'm giving to them and they are receiving It is troubling when you try and serve and the person you're serving keeps saying, no, I can do it. I can do it. Can I do this for you? No, I can do it. I'm okay. But you see that they are struggling. Let's allow ourselves 
to rest in Christ. Let him be who he is in our lives. We are like him, but we have limited capacity to handle certain things. And those things he has asked us to cast to him. He didn't even say submit, he said cast. So if you want, you can throw. He takes it anyway. Really? Like if you can just shove it to him, he will take it gladly. Because your portion is rest. So is it, is it, is, what is it that is worrying us? Is it a work situation? Is it your marriage situation? Your children who are not behaving in a way that you desire for them to? Is it your health? What is it? I challenge you right now to look at that situation and choose to ignore it. It's a choice, right? You're not going to engage right now. You choose. I'm not going to engage with you. Why should I engage with inferior things, right? Why should I waste my energy on cancer? Should I really do that? I have a life to live. I want you to challenge your situation and tell it, I'm stepping out of this situation. I'm locking my door on you. You are out. Casting you to God and choose to celebrate. Bless the Lord at all times. Bless the Lord. Exalt him. This is what God says to Joshua when he takes over after Moses dies. He says, be strong and be of good courage. Let not this book of the Lord depart from your mouth. Meditate upon it day and night and, to, and observe to do everything that is written in it and you will have good success. This is the recipe for peace. Be strong, be of good courage. Let not this book of the law depart from your mouth. So what should we be talking about? God, what he's able to do. I love testimonies. I love testimony time. We get to hear the goodness of God. Celebrate that. Think on that. Instead of trying to solve a, sol a situation, think of what happened to Bobby's father. Healing is still available today. Think of Anita. You know, there is no impossible situation. I love Anita's testimony. So when the landlord said that they were not closing the contract before the end of the tenure, I would like to think I would have been in that situation as well, thinking, what am I going to do? Possibly trying to come up with solutions. But what was waiting in line for her was a job. She needed that accommodation, but on the day she was negotiating to cancel the contract, I believe she did not see that. No one would have seen that, no? But God has plans for you. Amen. He says, for I know the plans that I have for you, he tells Jeremiah. Plans to prosper you. Plans to give you an expected hope. Those are his plans, even for me and you. He has a plan laid out for us. He loves us like that. We need to surrender. He will not surrender on our behalf. It's free will. It's a choice. I encourage us to surrender in this moment. Let's allow him to be God. We do not need stress in our lives. Yeah. We do not need bitterness. Yeah. We do not need anger. It's not the fruit of the spirit, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. That's the fruit of the spirit. There's no bitterness, anger, strife, stress, depression, 
I leave you with this word. And I just want to release the peace of God that surpasses all understanding to everyone right now. The peace that is beyond your understanding that causes you to overflow with joy. You know who you are in Christ. You are the beloved. Whatever that is good, whatever that is praiseworthy, meditate, think on these things. Think of how much he loves you. Think of how you're waking up today, seeing the day as is. Think of all the blessings that he has for you. Great is his faithfulness. Morning and morning, great is his faithfulness. And just think of how the angels and the elders bow down before him and call him holy. That's who he is. He is the majestic God, the great I am, the one who neither sleeps nor slumbers, who is watching over every situation. He watches over his word to perform it. He's not like men that he should lie, nor the sons of men that he should repent from what he says. His word is yes and amen over our lives. And I release peace over everyone who has been declared medically depressed. I kick out the depression from you. I release the peace, the rushing water of peace. I release the manifestation, the explosion of the fruit of spirit in you right now. Any illness that is related to stress, schizophrenia, hallucinations, drug addictions, broken relationships, I align them right now. I send a surge of the Holy Spirit, the power of agape to just flow and heal every situation. I send forth the word of God right now to heal every disease, every situation you might think of, everything that has a name. I challenge it in the name of Jesus and I release you to receive the goodness of God that is relentless, that chases us, follows us wherever we go. I challenge us to open our hearts and make the decision to say, I receive and I submit my will, my intentions to the direction of the Holy Spirit and I choose to rest in every situation. In the name of Jesus, I bless you, Life Church. Amen. Amen.